All right, let's, let's uh, somewhat pick up where we left off last week, Hebrews 1. And so we were talking about how going from the promises of God to the, the power of God, going from the promises to the power of God, and it's one of the scriptures that we talked about. Uh, I'm going to read it for the sake of time out of the, ampl- the classic Amplify version. Um, I know I do that a lot. I just happen to like the classic. I love the King James, but when I'm teaching, I like using the classic Amplify because it simplifies it, you know, for the hearers. All right, so we'll start here, verse 1. It says, in many separate revelations, each of which set, set forth a portion of the truth, Right? And in different ways, God spoke of old to our forefathers in and by the prophets. So through separate revelations, each piece had a different truth attached to it. You know, Scripture says we know in part. But, but God uses men of God to communicate uh, uh, stuff to trigger basically our purpose and design. It says, but in the, in the last of these days, he has spoken to us in the person of a son whom he appointed heir and lawful owner of all things, also by and through whom he created the worlds and the reaches of space and the ages of time. He made, produced, built, operated, and arranged them in order. It says, he is the sole expression of the glory of God, the light being, the outreign or radiance of the divine. It says, and he is perfect, he is the perfect imprint and very image of God's nature. Now, this is what we want to focus on right here. It says, upholding and maintaining and guiding and propelling the universe by his mighty word of power, right? By his mighty word of power. It says, when he had, uh, by offering himself, accomplished our cleansing of sins and riddance of guilt, he sat down on the right hand of the divine, of the divine majesty on high, taking a place and a rank by which he himself became as much superior to angels as the glorious name title, which he has inherited in different, is different from and more excellent than theirs. Of course, he is Christ, the anointed one and the anointing. Christ, the anointed one and the anointing. And so here you have uh, that verse 3 says that upholding all things by the, by the word uh, of his power. Well, it didn't say by the word of his power, but the King James says this. It says the Bible, uh, it says all things by the word of his power was upheld. So, so when it says by the word, it's talking about by the command. And when it says power, it's talking about levels of authority. So he's saying everything that exists right now is held together by the word that God spoke out from the beginning. Like remember in, uh, in Genesis, am I skipping? I might be. But in Genesis, uh, uh, you know, God saw darkness and void upon the face of the earth, right? And he, but he didn't talk about the darkness. He spoke light, right? He used his words to speak light. And ever since he spoke that word, all we see is light. Every day we wake up is light. You know, uh, we were talking about this in Bible school. Imagine if that, that, uh, the light decided not to obey God or decided to, nah, I don't think I want to obey him today. We wake up in this pitch black. But from, this, from ever since he, he said, let there be light, 
we've had light every day. Why? Because light knows something that we need to understand, how to obey God, right? And so, so what happens is he spoke the word, and again, it turned into the power of light, right? So that happened way at the beginning. Let's go here, Luke 24, verse 49. Now, some of these scriptures we read last week, um, but before we get into what we're doing, just so we're all up to speed. Again, we're talking about converting his promises into power converting his promises into power. So Luke 24, verse 49. Luke 24, verse 49. It says this. It says, And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. So I send the promise. It says, But tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued, look, with power from on high. So he says, I send, what? The promise of my Father. But if you hang out long enough, that promise is going to be converted into some power. You'll be endowed with power, right? And, and uh, you know, after that, I say, that's Luke 24, 49, Acts 1 says, and you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, right? And let's go here to Matthew 28. Matthew 28. Setting a little foundational stage. Matthew 28. I know I use a lot of scriptures, but, you know, the Bible says we should be like them that were at Thessalonica Um, with readiness of mind. They searched the scriptures to see if it's so. So, you know, the Lord told me a long time ago, if they can't study it, don't teach it. So if I just give you my opinion, it's kind of hard for you to study that or my personal preferences. But if I give you the word find out for yourself, right? All right, so so Matthew 28 gave you time to get there, right? Matthew 28. Hey, Britannia. Hey, Mom. Is Raylan here? Okay. All right, right, wishful thinking, huh? Nah, as you say, he ain't here. Wishful thinking. Okay. All right, sorry about that, y'all. You know, he just had a child, so she she hasn't been at church. So why is it Raylan here? Not ready to come to the church yet? Okay. All right. I'll pray that in. All right. So Matthew 28, 18. It says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. He says, look. Then he says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations. Now, when you see go ye therefore, he's saying, Because all power is given unto me. In heaven and earth, he says, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and we're naming in honor of, in honor of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. He says, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. So he says, all power is given unto me. He basically was saying, hey, so go and preach and teach my word and pour out my power on all who will receive it. He says, he said, he's basically saying my word has something in it. So if you go and preach and teach my word, you're going to convert a whole lot of people into power. First uh, Corinthians 4.20 says, for the kingdom of God does not consist in words, but in power. The kingdom of first Corinthians 4.20, you can write that down. But the kingdom of God does not consist in words, but in power. Remember Paul, when he was talking, he said, hey, my preaching, my teaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom but was in demonstration of power. So your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, 
philosophies and what people think, but in the power of God. So even when Paul was communicating, he says, oh, I'm going to communicate the word, but this word's going to be converted into power. So you're going to be moved by the power, not just by words. Nobody's moved by words. Words is just talk. You know, we were talking about that in Bible school. We were talking about how there's a lot of people that know words, but they don't know the authority of God. So, so no power is behind their words. So we gave an example how the sons of Sceva, uh, these demons, you know, uh, 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 they, they, it was some demonic activity, so they said, we cast you out in the name of Jesus that Paul preaches. So they saw Paul casting out demons. They saw Paul walking in the power based on the promises of God because, you know, it says, you know, even demons would be subject unto you, right? And so they saw Paul operating that way, and they, they, they was watching. So they said, well, we're going to do what Paul's doing. But see, what they didn't know was Paul was intimate with the authority of God. He had submitted to authority, so he had authority. So, so basically, all they could do is rehearse what they saw, but they had no authority. It's just like right now you see a cop operating a certain way and people are following everything that the police officer does. So then you decide that you're going to get some of the same authority. You're going to do, hey, 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 you, come over here. Go there. Hey, go this way. And people are looking at you like, really? You know, because you have no authority. You wasn't given any authority by the, the whatever they call it, the department, the police department, whatever, Right? And so, so sometimes we're mimicking things that we see, but we're not operating in power. And I said it earlier, we can, like, if, we remove, if you remove God, you live a powerless life. So why would you live a powerless life with God? And the thing is, everybody has access to this power, but you're going to have to attach your faith to it, right? You're going to have to attach your faith to it, which we'll get to here in a second. So let's go to Mark 6, 16. Let's continue to make a case for this promises to power with Mark 16. Now, the entire word is God's will, correct? And within this word is God's promises, correct? So again, we can take these promises and we can convert them into power. You know, again, I, I remember when I read Mark 11 for the first time, it says, you can have what you say if you shall not doubt in your heart. It says, but, you know, if, if you believe the things that you, which you, uh, you believe the things that you say, you believe that you have them. Um, I'm not saying the scripture exactly right, but it's Mark 11, 22 through 24. But it said, believe and you shout out doubt in your heart. So I just, I just tested it. I mean, it's, that's the only thing I could think of doing coming out of Newark, New Jersey, not trusting people. I was like, these black and white words, I'm just going to keep, I'm going to just keep trying. Them. And I was, I was, I had a, a professional tryout and seven days before the trial, I decided to go home to Newark, New Jersey to test my skills in the hood. And um, so we played at a place called Chancellor Annex, and they had a leak in the ceiling. And because I now had become more of an accomplished basketball, they had a can on the court. I was like, man, move that can, you know, like trying to use authority just because I had respect. So they moved the can. Who do you think was the first person to fall? Me, slip, slam my knee, I could move my knee left and right. Had a tryout in seven days. I said, well, we're going to see if this Bible stuff worked. You know, so, you know, I kind of, probably shouldn't have done it, but I, I kind of worked out with, with one boot on this leg just to strengthen it, running up hills and stuff. Went to that tryout while I was playing, I had no knee problems. When I got off the, when I got off the court, every time I got off the court, I felt pain. While I was on the court, it's like I had a brand new knee. So that's why I believed the word. So again, I saw the promise, I attached my faith to it, it was converted into power to heal. And that particular knee I've never had surgery on. 
So I, I run and jump now, you know. Uh, never had surgery. Why? Because I attached my faith to God's promises and it was converted into power, right? So let's say if I sit and I go, I, I don't believe that. Is it going to be converted into power? Because you don't believe it, right? <laughs> Belief would be a part of it, right? Does that make sense? All right, so uh, Mark 16, 20. This, this, this should help us out a little bit. Uh, I didn't get to 20 yet. All right, it says, and they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them. Look, confirming, confirming the word with signs following. Confirming the word with signs following. We can almost say he confirmed the word with power following. So, so when they went to start preaching the word, their confidence was, okay, I, I believe what I've been hearing now. I believe what, what Christ told me. So now I'm going to go and share it. He gave it to me. He says, go and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to go and share it. And their confidence was, I'm just going to share it. That's my job, right, to have faith in it. God's job is to produce the power. That ain't on me, right? And so that's, so that's what they did. They went, and God was working with them. When they started to speak by faith, he came through, right? That's how it happens, you know. Okay, all right, let's just keep, let's keep going. Let's keep going, all right? All right, so... The word, we talked about this last week, the word has inside of it power, right? Now, if this word has power sitting there dormant, like, why haven't we tapped into it? Like, why, why are we playing off of the word or not using the word or attaching our faith to the word? Because all this word has power inside. So if I want power, you would think I'm going to tap into, I'm going to attach my faith to the word. Now, now it doesn't come by mimicking. It doesn't come by feeling. You know, in our, in our culture, you know, they, they, they change laws and everything based on how people feel. All right, so, oh, I just, uh, somebody just told me this yesterday. Uh, I, I don't know what else the person said. I'm just going to tell you what I, what I heard. So, Dame Lillard said, social media has stolen reality. I might not be saying it the exact same way, that, but that's close. So, social media has stolen reality. Why? Because... You know, you used to have to, to uh, uh, go through a process. You had to build character. You had to prove yourself to have platforms. Now, you can get a platform just by posting something, right? And, and, and so, 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 so I'm saying that it also steals you having to dig deep to operate in faith, right? You know, the, like the culture is set up where, where you'll, your feelings are celebrated, not your faith, Right? And so, so, so the dangerous thing is your feelings cannot get you power. You can't feel like power showing up. You got a faith like power showing up. It's a difference, right? And so, so the Bible says this, God sent his word, word to heal, right? Uh, it also says it's the power of God under salvation, Psalm 107, 20, right? Uh, well, Psalm 107, 20, 20 sent his word to heal. Romans 1, 16 is... Uh, this gospel is the power of God unto salvation. The gospel, what he has sent them to talk about, it's the power of God unto salvation. That word salvation means wholeness, right? Everything you could possibly need is packed in salvation. 
It's not just a deliverance, I'm saved from burning. It's wholeness. It's every aspect of your life, family, provision. You know, uh, of course, I just said healing, but a, a sound mind, that's all included in, in, in wholeness. But it takes power for that to operate. But the, the Bible says this in Hebrews 4.2. It says the word did not profit them like it profited us because they didn't mix their faith with it. He says, so, so we all got the word, but we profited because we attached our faith. We converted it into power. They didn't profit because they didn't, they didn't attach their faith to it. And God has dealt to every man the measure of faith, Romans 12, 3. So we all have this measure, but we're not using it, right? We're not using it. And, and, and the thing is, most of the time you have to use it, you're in an insurmountable or, how do I want to call it, a, um, an uncertain situation. You know, like most of our faith situations, it seems like, the circumstances are going to crush us, but you got to believe beyond that, right? You have to believe, believe beyond that, right? You have to walk by faith and not by sight, right? You have to mix your faith in there. And, and so start with when, when you're not in a crisis. Start with some faith things now, some things you can believe for, like maybe a parking spot or something, right? You know, I mean, if you don't get the parking spot, you're not, your whole world's not going to end, right? Man, start, start using your faith for small things. You know, don't wait to exercise your faith when, when crisis is on the line. That's normally when people panic and get crushed, right? Right. So when believed and acted upon, when believed and acted upon, any promise of God is transformed into the power of God. When believed and acted upon, any promise of God is transformed into the power of God. When believed and acted upon. Let's, let's look here at James 1. So when believed and acted upon, any word of God is transformed into the power of God. So now, if I'm looking through the word, I don't believe it and I'm not acting on it. Well, I'm not going to act on it if I don't believe it, right? Right? So it's just words. The promise converts into power when I believe and act on it. Like, all right, so, so, so we were, uh, God had, uh, uh, we were at a church for 18 years, uh, worked there for 12, my wife worked there for four. The next stage was the pastor, so I, one year, pastor called us out, he says, we're praying for when and where. So we just started praying, we had, you know, we used our natural understanding, we had maps of possible places, and it kind of narrowed down to two places, it was either going to be Houston, Texas, or Charlotte, North Carolina. All right, so now we had never been to Charlotte in our life, for nothing. Right? And so when, when God, I write a vision every year for our house uh, since 1992. We always, you know, we play off a vision. You know, most people go through frustration because there's a vision deficit. You know, if you, if you don't have a vision, then everybody's doing their own thing, right? But we're, we, you know, we're playing off a vision. So I write the, so, so I sit down with God, ask him what's the vision for 2010, right? 2009, 2000. 2010. So he says, by the end of next year, you're going to be in Charlotte. All right? Now, I skipped a whole lot of supernatural stuff to discover it was Charlotte. But so, so we didn't have no house. Our house wasn't on the market. We had no plans to go nowhere. We have, you know, I mean, ministry-wise, I'm in a comfort zone. I work for the church. 
I get paid to work for the church. And so, so talked to my wife about it. We're in agreement. So she started coming home. One day she came home, and if you open a closet or a drawer, everything was empty. I had to clean them all out. Now, if you came in the house, if you didn't, wasn't paying attention, you would think it's business as usual. But, I, you know, normally when you move, the little things will get on your nerves. I took care of all the little things. You know, I had everything packed up in boxes. I said, well, if God said we're supposed to be in Charlotte, I got to act on it. Right? You know what I'm saying? So we were, I, we were doing things to act on it. Then we came out here and got lost. You know, well, we couldn't get too lost because my cousin Karen was called us up every day. And took us, she took us to South Park. She took us to Ballantyne. She took us to, uh, where else she take us? The soul food place. I was talking about locations, not food. <laughs> she said the soul food place. But she, she was like clockwork. It was like around 4 o'clock. She's like, hey, hey, uh, I want to take you over to South Park. Hey, hey, don't shake your head. That's exactly what you did. Right? So, uh, so, so, but, you know, and then some places we just drove and got lost. We just wanted to see if we had a piece that this is where we're supposed to be. And we had a piece that this is where we're supposed to be. So we're going back, right? And my wife says, so you're going to tell the pastor, right? I was like, hold on, babe. Hold on now. You know, you know, it just wasn't one of those atmospheres where you just start talking about that. It's like, hold on, we got to make sure we really hear from God, right? Really, I was kind of like, I don't know how you're going to take this. But when I came back, he was hunting me down, and he kind of asked me, so, hey, what's going on with you? And so I told him all the supernatural uh, story of how we discovered Charlotte. I said, I don't know when it is. I don't know if it's two years or ten years from now, but I sense it's closer for us pastoring. Well, you definitely have a word for the body of Christ. We move towards that end. I'm not going to get into all the stuff that happened after that, but the point is we had to act on it. Like, we're, we're someplace, we're in here. We're in here on this 21 acres, right, with that lake back there because God told us something, gave us a promise. We acted on it by faith, and it converted into manifestation, right? You, you see that? And she came out here first. I was working at the church. She came out here. She was out here by herself for five weeks. You know, we got an apartment that was right up. All she had to do was go up and down the street of South Trine to go to work and shop. Everything was all on South Trine, <laughs> you know. And then if she had an interview, she would call me up, and I would navigate her through. I right, okay, we'll catch this freeway, go here, this, that, and the other, right? But it's, 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 it's amazing what God does when we attach our faith to it. So James, right? I told you I'd go to James. Everybody should be there by now. Uh, let's, we're going to focus on 24, but let's start with 22. It says, but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. Look, deceiving your own selves. So if I'm just a hearer of the word, but I'm not a doer, I can deceive myself. Now, when you've been deceived, how many people have been deceived in their life besides me? When you, be de- when you were deceived, did you know it? How many people have been deceived and people were trying to tell you you deceived? Besides me. Get them hands up. Why are you trying to pretend? Okay. How many people was adamant about the people that's trying to tell you you deceived that they tripping? How many did that? That might not be everybody, but I did that. Like, like, I'm, I'm t- like I broke them down. At times, I convinced them they was tripping. You know, because when you're a good communicator, well, I don't know how good I was, but evidently, so I overwhelmed them. To a point, it was like, well, maybe I am. Maybe you are doing the right thing. You know, wait a minute. Did I do that wrong? Like, I, like I, listen, 
I could, I could flip that thing, twist it, turn it over here. And the truth is, the whole time, I was deceived. Oh, no, 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 not, not just for a couple of days, not for a couple of months. I was deceived for years. See, I got the mic, so I'm putting myself out there. Some of y'all watching out there deceived now. Tell you know, as I kind of redirect it out there, you know, just help y'all out in here. <laughs> right? And the thing is, like, you, you have to have people in your life that, that, that you trust to tell you the truth because you can carry deception and just waste so many years. Then you feel bad that you wasted the years. So now, now the adversary spends another seven years making you feel guilty that you allowed yourself to be deceived. And you just went through 14 years unnecessarily, right? But, but we can avoid that if we don't just hear the word, but then we're a doer of the word, right? Verse 23, if any be a hearer of the word and a doer, he is like unto a man, I'm sorry, if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a, in a glass, for he beholdeth himself, goeth his way, not the way of what he heard, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. All right, so what it's saying is like, and this, is, this happens, you know, as we've been growing and as, you know, we, we do a lot of counseling and stuff. So, so what happens is somebody's sitting in counseling, they hear, you know, they hear the word or they realize, oh my God, I get it, right? You know, that's happened, right? I get it. Now, once you get it, the Bible says be quick to obey, right? The person goes to do the opposite of what they heard. So immediately they're going to forget even what they saw. They came to themselves at that point. But they went their way instead of going God's way, right? Now, we're going to get into here in a second uh, why someone would do that. Because you would think, why would somebody realize what they need to do and do the opposite of it? Y'all want me to go around with the mic so y'all can answer the question? I mean, we got a bunch of experts here. So, you want me to just go around, y'all? Or how we do on a Wednesday, put the mic on the side. Y'all can come up and tell why y'all do the opposite of what you've been told to do by God. What'd you say, David? You said, how much time you got? <laughs> right? So, all right, so, 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 but we're going to get to that. I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to be, be patient here, get through this. We're going to get to it. So, every promise of God contains the power of God necessary to produce what it promises when it is believed and acted upon. So, every promise of God contains the power of God necessary to produce what it promises when it's believed and acted upon, right? So, but if you don't believe it and don't act upon it, you're going to deceive yourself. We just talked about that, right? So, the Scripture tells us to meditate on the Word day and night for a reason. Because, you know, if you keep meditating on it, eventually it's going to increase your faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God, right? Romans 10, 17, right? And so, so he knows your faith will increase. And if you meditate on the Word day and night and do all that's written therein, so it didn't just say meditate. It says, do all that's written therein. It says, then shall you make your way prosperous. Then shall you have good success. So, good success and prosperity is attached to not just meditating on the Word, rehearsing it, but I got to do what it says. So, once again, how could you meditate on the Word and not do it? All right? You keep, that, keep that thought in mind. So, I'm meditating on the Word. I'm going to Bible study fellowship. I'm going to discipleship class. I sat down. I, 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 got, the, I got the Word but then I'm going to do the opposite. I'm choosing which word I'm going to apply. 
Because some of it is, is, is the truth and some of it is not. All right, somebody's going to take that sound bite and say, this pastor says some of it is the truth and some of it is not. I was being sarcastic. It's all the truth. All right? I don't blew it. They got the sound bite now, right? Local pastor says some of the Bible is true and some of it is not. Okay. I, so, so it's so interesting how when believed and acted upon, even with the Malachi tithing scripture, you notice he said, prove me. That I won't pour out a blessing, you won't have room enough to receive and rebuke the devourer for your sake, and your vine won't cast forth fruit before its time. He said, Prove me. He said, No, no, I, I promise you a blessing you won't have room enough to receive. Rebuke a devourer from happening in your life. You know, it's so interesting when a devourer happens in our life, we ignore it. We never say, I, I've been robbing God, right? Through tithes and offerings. We just go, I don't know why this is happening. Well, the scripture says, I'll rebuke the devourer if you operate in tithes and offerings. But he said, Prove me, test me. To see if this promise doesn't convert in the power of a blessing you won't have room enough to receive and nothing that you have will be taken away from you. Right? We got, okay, all right, so see that went over well. So God's promises are, the scripture says this in Proverbs 4.22, God's promises are life to those that find them and health to all their flesh. So it has the power to heal on the inside of it. It has the power to bring life to that dead the, the deadness in our lives, right? How? We got to find it. We got to go deep to discover the, uh, the illumination that the revelation is trying to give to us. And this is the thing. So we have this measure of faith. And, and this, this faith only heeds to God's promises. This faith is sitting around until God's promises show up. It's been designed to attach itself to God's promises and convert God's promises into power. So God put us in this earth realm. And he says, okay, I'm going to put them in the earth realm, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to send my word out ahead of them. My word is not going to return void. It's going to accomplish what I sent it to do, right? So, but for them to attach themselves to the manifestation of my word being converted into power, I'm going to give them a measure of faith, Romans 12, 3. Now, all they got to do is attach their faith to my word, and they can convert. Like, I have all around them, I have words spread all around them with anything they could possibly go through. That word is already out ahead of them. All they got to do is keep their faith ready. When the Son of Man comes, shall he find faith? Keep their faith ready to attach itself to that word, and they can convert it into the promises. When the circumstances come up, all they got to do is find a promise. Attach their faith to it, and it can be converted into the power. Now, this is the interesting thing is, you can't operate in faith in your head. Faith is something from the heart. You got to float to operate in faith. But if you're trying to, you know, you know the, the trouble with trying to swim and trying to grab rails and stuff like that, you're going to sink, right? Because you're trying to hold yourself up. You got to let go, right? To float, right? Amen. I know this because that's my trouble with swimming, floating. You're right? You just got to let go, right? Same thing in the kingdom. You just got to let go. But that's the hardest part because we stay in our head. Maybe because the adversary sent out demons, imps, disguised and some of the people in our lives and abused us early in our lives, so we decided to protect ourselves from being hurt again, but we're blocking out the help. Look, 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 if you put up, if you shield yourself, that faith is just sitting in there. It can't come out. You got to open up for it to come out. And that's the challenge. The challenge is very few of us are opened up, not in this culture, because we've been through what? Heartache and pain. Some of us aren't even open in our relationships. Fully open. We've never given 100% to any relationship. And some of us are married. 
talking to the people out there in TV land, Pastor Mel's friends. <laughs> all right, all right, all right, let's, let's keep going here. All right, so, so, so in the mind of faith, right, diseases are healed even before prayer is offered. In the mind of faith, diseases are healed even before prayer is offered. You know why? Because God already promised it. He said, by your stripes, we're healed. He said he sent his word to heal us. He said he removed sickness from the midst of us. So in the mind of faith, right, diseases are healed even before prayer is offered. It was the scripture said, 1 John 5, even our faith, right? 1 John 5, 4, even our faith. See, so faith moves and acts like God moves and acts. Faith moves and acts like God moves and acts, right? So as far as faith, it's a done deal. That's why we call it faith. But look, reason, on the other hand, which is what most of us, not most of us, a lot of us operate in, reason is troubled, excited, nervous, and paralyzed. See, faith is unmoved. Reason is always moved. Because reason can always come up with a circumstance, an excuse, a justification. Right? Reason is, it was introduced in that garden. Remember, he said, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Once they ate of that tree, now evil was an option. Now reason is an option. So I can actually reason my way out of having faith in the promise of God. I can reason my way out of walking in the power of God. See, I can always justify, no, no, no. You know, like, uh, so in some seminaries, they reduce the Red Sea being opened up to, it really was like a pond, you know, like a little splash, and it split to the side. See, so, so now they don't have to walk in no power. Right? They, everything was reduced. So God drowned the entire uh, Egyptians in a puddle. Horses and everything in a puddle. What was it, toy soldiers? <laughs> what were we talking about? Like it doesn't even line up. But see, for me to believe that, now I've got to get outside of my reason. Remember it says the, the things of God are foolishness under men, right? It's foolishness because I can't reason it. So we live a life, I'm only going to believe what I reason, but if you can see it, are you really using belief? You already see it. It's already manifested. Belief is for has a man, what has a manifest. Now, now so uh, just when he's talking to Batanza back there, so Raylan is born, right? So you got to see Raylan. I mean, really see Raylan besides because you don't even know if those images was, was real, you know what I'm saying? But somebody just, they, you know, people just give you any image, right? How, how you know it's not somebody else's image? And then look, by faith, you believe that that's your child. So we're going to use faith for that, right? Somebody just giving you an image. I asked your baby in there. Sometimes you don't even see the baby. You'd be like, yeah, I see him right there. <laughs> you really don't even see the baby, right? All right, but Raylan showed up. What's the date, birthday? 6-5. You saw Raylan, right? But you believed he was in there the whole time, right? Without seeing him. If anything moved, it wasn't an upset stomach. That's Raylan jumping around, right? That's true, right? But everything that happened when Raylan's development, most of his development, everything that was taking place as he was growing was happening in the unseen realm, right? Man. Until you saw him 6-5 in the seen realm, right? Oh, but this belief and stuff, you know, I think it's overrated. No, it's not. We do it all the time. 
Some of y'all going to drive out there right now. Y'all going to get in cars that are operated by small explosions and believe your car ain't going to blow up. Why? Why do you believe that? Now, you're going to say it's because you reasoned it, but you couldn't have reasoned it because you didn't build the car. Now, if there's some engineers in here that was a part of building an automobile, hey, outside of that, we don't believe. Listen, I'm a little nervous about doing jumping a car. Mm -hmm. I, listen, I said, babe, you got to help me. Hold, hold, just hey, keep those cables away from each other. Because you know if you don't do it right, you could blow up the battery, right? Oh, see, y'all don't know that? Yeah, if you don't do it right, you can blow up the battery. So you're driving a car with small explosions going inside, with the exception of y'all that are at a whole nother level with your electric cars right now. But then you believe an electric car can get you where you're going to now. There's people reading while the car is driving. But you don't want to have faith in God. You reading, lying back, chilling on your phone while the car is driving. That's the electric car. The car that's not electric, small explosions are going on. As soon as you, hit, as soon as you turn the engine. Boom, boom, boom. You don't believe the car going to blow up, do you? So, so, so why can't we take that belief that we operate in all the time and believe God? Because you can't reason stuff like that. You can't reason Raylan showing up the way he did. Okay, there you go. We're we, we going to have this conversation then since y'all don't know what I'm talking about. So a sperm and an egg got together and produced Raylan, right? Right? Okay. So where did Raylan come from? The egg or the sperm? God. Oh, no, no, stop. So who says sperm? Because, you know, people be jumping out. <laughs> so she said Raylan came from the sperm. So basically, you don't need to uh, put the sperm inside. You can just cut the sperm open and Raylan going to pop out, right? And I know some of y'all was thinking the egg. So you just open the egg up and Raylan just going to pop out. No. The sperm and egg gets together in the natural and creates something supernatural. Draws Raylan from the heaven realm. And he starts to grow and birth inside her body. Oh, there you go, making that up, because that don't line up with your reason. Okay, you put an orange seed in the ground. Where does the orange tree come from? Does it, did it come from the seed or did it come from the ground? Some of y'all been here for a long time, so you should already know the answer. <laughs> Think about it. Open the seed up, orange tree don't pop out. I mean, come on, just use your reason here. If you open a seed up, an orange seed up, does an orange tree pop out? If you dig in the ground deep enough, is there a tree sitting in there waiting to grow? So where does the tree come from then? Now, come on. Come on, Mr. Reason out there on TV land. Where does the tree come from? It's supernatural. So it's supernatural things. We eating supernatural stuff. I'm not talking about the seedless oranges. You know, that's, which is GMOs. That's sterile fruit. You know that, right? You ain't getting no nutrients out of that. Sorry, I messed up your, your seedless oranges. It's sterile fruit. See, we don't use our reason for stuff like that. See, so we're, we're around supernatural all the time. You blink your eye and it takes a picture. You never used your reason to ask why? But there's no God, though. You actually think cameras started first. No, they made cameras from your eyes. Oh, you think voice, voice activation came first. No, God did that in Genesis. He spoke and stuff moved with his sound. 
Oh, we're about to talk about sound here in about a few weeks. I just got to wait because we got to talk about it on Sunday, right? But he spoke. So voice activation, 26 syllables, 40 voice patterns, and, and your phone and your cars and, everything, and your lights and everything turn on, right? But, but, oh, that's crazy. God spoke things into existence. You speaking stuff and it's moving based on your sound. The lights come on. We catching up to God. God already did this stuff. All right, I just, I, I did that for the reason, folk. You know, you always got reason, folk. So I just did that for the reason, folk. All right, let's, let's get back to what we're talking about. So reason is troubled, excited, nervous, paralyzed. Faith stands unmoved. Faith knows that God cannot lie. So faith never argues. But it takes it for granted when a request has been made according to the word of God. Faith knows that God cannot not lie. That's Numbers 23, 19. God is not a man that he should lie. God can't lie. Faith knows that. So if God says it, faith knows, oh, it's going to happen. If God said it, it's going to happen. All I need to do is attach my faith, not my fear, not my reason. Well, how was believing that didn't happen? Did you really believe? Did you doubt in your heart? Did you reason? Were you in fear? Okay, all right. All right, just... So faith sees a promise as power even before it is manifested. Faith sees a promise as power even before it's manifested. So when faith sees a promise of God, oh, that's power right there. <laughs> oh, that's definitely power. That's, that's about to happen. You know, so when things start happening, when, when God tells you stuff, even, even with us, when God told us uh, we're supposed to come here to Charlotte, things didn't just was, wasn't wonderful after that. You know, some things shifted with uh, the ministry was, we was at. I'm being nice. Um, but, and then we came out here with $1,625. That wasn't the plan. To, to stay in an apartment? We hadn't stayed in an apartment in 17 years. We leased for 10 years until we got the house that we just got. That wasn't the plan? I mean, when you get to a point where you, you're a homeowner, we had already owned two homes, ain't nobody looking to live in an apartment. Matter of fact, when we moved here, we couldn't bring all our stuff because it wouldn't fit. We got the largest apartment we can get, three-bedroom, and we couldn't bring all our stuff. None of our big houses, we had to leave them. We couldn't bring our pool table. We ended up giving that away when we sold the house. We couldn't bring our, I had a workout station. Couldn't bring that because it was built in the house. Bikes, bench, weights. There was so much stuff we had to leave because it couldn't fit in an apartment. And if you came to the apartment, if y'all remember, it was fully occupied. It was tight up in there because we brought as much as we could because we couldn't afford storage. So we just left stuff. Some stuff people didn't take care of. Some stuff got thrown away. Some stuff got given away. No matter what, you know why we didn't flinch? Because we believed God. When we drove down the street, God said, what I have for you, I have for you. Don't worry about it. And so no matter what happened, that's what, we, that's, what we, that's what we believe. When something would happen, we go, surprise to us, sweetheart, but not a surprise to God. That's how we live right now. There's been mishaps here at the church. We go, surprise to us, but wasn't surprise to God. And God comes through every time. You know why? Because we believe in the promises. That's it. When you start to panic, God says, oh, you believe the circumstances more than you believe my promise. So you get what you believe. You get the circumstance because that's what you believe, okay? So, so the Bible says this in Romans 4, 17 to 21. You can write it down just for the sake of time. It says, uh, Abraham was fully persuaded, fully persuaded 
You know what he was fully persuaded about? That the promises would convert to power. So no matter what happened, Abraham was fully persuaded that God was going to do some things. Even when, uh, uh, you can write down this scripture, Luke, let's, let's go here, Luke 1. Because, you know, we, already, we know the story of Mary and Jesus being born, but Mary's no different than us. You know, Holy Spirit told her she's going to have a child. She hasn't had sex with her husband, and, and she's going to be impregnated by the Holy Spirit. At first, she's probably like, are you serious? Right? No different than me and you. And then you're not just going to be pregnant. You're going to have the Messiah, the one that people have been talking about. Like, why me? Right? So, uh, so, so the Holy Spirit told her that her, sister, her cousin had conceived in her old age, also just to give her, you know, some, 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 some encouragement, you know, let her know, because, you know, Elizabeth was at birth John. Verse 37, it says, for with God, nothing shall be impossible. That's our whole foundation of believing the promises in the, in the power. With God, now, did it say most things? Did it say some things? It said, with God, nothing shall be impossible. And it says, look, verse 38, and Mary said, okay, based on this, behold, thy handmaid of the Lord, be it, accord, be it unto me according to thy word, and the angels departed. Be it unto me according to thy word. You know what she was saying? Well, basically, based on your word, you're able to perform, you're able to convert that promise into power. I'm good with it. That's when it shifted. But if she would just walk away like, man, I don't believe this. It would have never happened. The Amplified says, for with, with God, nothing is ever impossible. No word from God shall be without power or impossible of fulfillment. So it says, for with God, nothing is ever impossible. No word from God shall be without power or impossible of fulfillment. Every word of God has power in it and it's ready for fulfillment. The, the uh, American Standard Version says this, for no word from God shall be void of power. No word from God shall be void of power. That's Luke uh, 137. Amplified in the American Standard Version. No word of God shall be void of power. So, so, so hopefully this challenges us, not to be, challenges us not to be casual with the word. You know, I talk to people all the time, you know, how's your walk with God? I pray all the time. But the Bible says, our con- this is the confidence we have. We pray anything according to his will, according to his word, he hears us. And we have the petitions that we desire from. So how are we praying if we're not praying according to the word? We're praying according to our feelings. And then when God don't come through, we mad at him. But God promised to honor his word and his will, not your feelings. Right? Or as, as Pastor Melissa, people say, you know, I know my God. My God, my God wouldn't uh, play me like that. Pastor Mel say, yeah, you're God, but we're talking about the God. <laughs> what does the God say? And the thing is, God, it's not a punishment. God has lined everything up. He's saying, okay, hey, this is uh, basic instructions before leaving earth, how people say it. This, this is all your information you need. These are the guidelines to operate in the kingdom. 
So if I'm doing anything outside of this, why am I mad at God? Is he not honoring what he said? Or he's not honoring your interpretation of what he said? We good? Everybody good? Everybody, everybody all right? <laughs> Awfully quiet, quiet in this charismatic church. <laughs> so, 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 so Proverbs 4, 20 to 23, you can write that down too. So, so, so this is, you know, this was being communicated uh, in the words of wisdom in Proverbs. It says, uh, 4.20, it says, my son, attend to my words, incline thine ear unto my sayings. Look, let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart, for they are life unto those that find them and health to all their flesh. It says, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. It's saying, man, lock in on the promises. You can have everything you want if you lock in on the promises. The scripture says this, it says, be not weary in well-doing. You'll reap if you faint not, if you don't give up. If you don't give up on locking in on this word. You know, I was talking to somebody recently, and they was like, well, you know, I've, I've been trying. I said, well, the thing, the thing about a relationship with God is not about a try. I present myself as a living sacrifice. This is what I, this, this is, you know, my wife always, you know, she changed her eating habits. So if I say, yeah, you're a new diet. She said, no, it's not a new diet. It's a lifestyle change. It's, it's, I'm changing my, so this is not something I'm trying. This is something I've decided to live to do. Right? So God is saying, don't try my word because man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God, Matthew 4.4. 4. So this is not something I'm supposed to be trying. This is how I'm supposed to live. When I got married, I'm not trying to be married to my wife. I'm committed. I was, this, 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 that's it. But if I was trying, all she got to do is slip just a little bit. Like, oh, no, no, no. You got me, you got me messed up. No, I ain't, I ain't, I ain't, I'm not having it. I'm not trying to be married. We're trying to be in a relationship with God? So, okay, no problem. This is uh, God's not mocked. Whatsoever measure you meet shall be measured to you. So God said, well, I'll try to give you some blessings. I'll try, try to give you healing. I mean, that's the measure, right? Trying. But if God said, you're all in with me, I'm all in with you, right? And, and so, so, so uh, just this last piece, uh, it's, uh, once you attach your faith to God's word, you're not... Uh, we talk about out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speak. You're not just speaking regular words. You're speaking as one with authority, right? And so we've talked about this in a, in a Bible school yesterday, how it's, you know, everything, uh, everything was framed by the word of God or upheld by the word of God, upheld by his authority. That's why light keeps going because light is submitting to the authority of God's word, Right? That's why if you believe and attach your faith to, by his stripes, we are healed, sickness and disease have to submit to the authority of God's word, right? You know, when, when, when Jesus told the demons to, to get out, they wasn't like, hold on a second. Like, they had, to, they had to leave. You know, one might have said, well, could we go on the pigs? 
right? Why? Because they had to submit to authority. Remember when uh, we, we, uh, Sabrina mentioned this and we uh, talked about it yesterday uh, with the, uh, when the centurion wanted his servant healed. And Jesus said, okay, I'll come to your house. He said, no, 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 no. You don't have to come to my house. He said, speak the word only. He said, speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. He says, I understand how this thing works. He says, I'm a man under authority. I'm submitted to authority and I have people under me submitted to me. When I say go, they go. When I say come and they come. Why? Because when I'm told to go and come, I go and come. I'm submitted to authority. And basically he was saying, Jesus, I've been watching you. Everything that comes out your mouth is I'm not here to do my will. I'm here to do the will of the Father. Before you prayed for the people to to get their food fed, you looked up to the Father. Before you healed Lazarus, you looked up to the Father. You were submitted to authority. You see me, you see the Father. That's what Jesus said, right? He said, so all you got to do is speak the word only, and when you speak that word with authority, sickness and disease got to obey you. This is a centurion. He wasn't even in the crew. But he knew enough. Jesus said, I have not found so great faith in all of Israel. What was the faith? The faith was he understood authority. He understood submitting to authority how the system operates. And so we were talking about it yesterday. So now we, we have this, these promises. And I have to attach my faith. So, so, so when I attach my faith, I'm submitting to what God said. Right? I'm submitting to it. So I draw from that what God said. I draw the authority of that word now is inside of me. And when I speak it, everything around me has to obey. Right? Sickness and disease have to obey. Debt, distress has to obey. Right? Once I submit to the authority of the word. So now this is the interesting thing is what we discovered yesterday in class is if you think about what's most of our challenge. Rebellion. Mostly rebellion. Even though some of us that come to church, there's certain things, can't nobody tell you what to do. You got to do it. We talked about it yesterday at class. Uh, small kids, you don't have to teach them how to rebel. Like when they was little, they, they say no in a heartbeat, right? When Janae and all that, no. Or they, you know, remember my grandson uh, was talking to uh, my wife one day, she was asking him to do something. He said, shh. Like, just snap. Like, I, w- I wasn't even in the conversation. I was doing something else. I said, oh, no. I snatched him right up. No, we're not having that. That's not an option. Right? And so you think about it. Some of us have carried that rebellion throughout our lives. So I remember Mr. Lamar, when he first came to the church, his wife came first. Right? And so he would hover around. He came to, like, our first uh, anniversary. He cooked. Right? He was cooking at everything. First baptism, he cooked. Right? So he was hovering around. But he wasn't trying to come to the church because Z came first. You know why? Because rebellion was in there. I got to make the decision. I got to be in control. You know where that comes from? Satan. I'm going to be like the most high. I'm going to be in your place. Rebellion is not even, a, it's not even sniffed in heaven. He fell like lightning with a third of the angels. Right? And ever since, he's been trying to influence us with that same rebellion. See, see, sometimes you don't do stuff unless you're in control. That's rebellion. We're supposed to be living. The Bible says be subject unto one another. Submit ourselves to one another. See, to some of us, submit is a curse word. But that's an opportunity for power. See, see, 
He set him up with the tree of the garden in the garden. Why did he set him up? No, he was trying to teach them to submit to authority so they could draw authority. He knew they was going to need authority to deal with the rebellious one. So all they had to do was obey. You got everything. Who cares about the tree of knowledge, good and evil? You got everything you need. And he was teaching them how to submit to authority so they can have authority. Not to yield. He didn't want them yielding to Satan. So every time we rebel and we're disobedient, we're yielding to Satan. Some people come to church and they do a lot of church things with a rebellious spirit. So, so guess what? You can't serve God with, with Satan in your heart. And, and it's subtle. Everybody's not, man, forget that. I'm going to just do it. No, people don't roll like that. It's, it's subtle. That's why we're freelance. We're freelance because we want to be in control. That's an attribute of Satan. When I can't commit to nothing, when I'm not accountable or responsible, when I can't build, grow, and reproduce and go through the wars that it takes to do that, Basically, ain't nobody telling me what to do. That's not a godly attribute. So you don't submit to authority, you have no authority. So when sickness and disease and stuff start running up in your life, and you go, I cast you out in the name of Jesus. Like, they're going to tell you just like the sons of Sceva. Jesus, I know. He's always binding and loosening stuff in the spirit realm because he's submitted to authority. Paul, I know, he's already binding and loosening stuff in the spirit realm because he's submitted to authority. Who are you? You ain't never touched the spirit realm because you don't submit to authority. You, you, you live with the, with, with the spirit of rebellion. That's what our culture now is. It's the spirit of rebellion. It's cheating everybody from walking in authority. The whole time, no, you fine. Just do your own thing. No, it's okay. It's okay. The whole time, hey, when you're going to be under the greatest attack, you're going to be the weakest you've ever been because you've never submitted to authority. And so you're not going to be able to convert the promises into power because you would have to submit to the promises. Look, look, you got to submit to this thing. You got you to submit to this thing. Listen, listen, as we grow a church, you know what the hardest thing is to get people to be consistent? You know why? Because people want to do their own thing. It's at their convenience. Well, I mean, we got, we got all-stars at their convenience. But as soon as something else that have no, 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 that's not me. I don't do that. No, no, ooh, no, I'll do this, but I don't do that. Oh, no, I can't do this because something else came up. That's the, that's the toughest thing is growing a church. People don't understand it ain't, it's God's house. Like, we're supposed to be living in, in trying to be accountable and responsible and submissive. When I first joined the church, I joined an area that I never did before on purpose because I was in control in everything that I did. I was running teams. I was captain over teams. I was coaching teams. You know, at my job, I was a manager. So I said, I don't know what that is, security and maintenance. I'll do that just so somebody could tell me what to do. I purposely joined something that I wasn't skilled at so somebody could tell me what to do. I didn't know I was going to end up in that pocket becoming an armor bearer and learning how to be a better minister because I wasn't pursuing ministry. I was pursuing basketball. But I knew enough that I need somebody to tell me what to do because I'm in control everywhere. And so even when I wanted to do right, Satan had access. 
because of that rebellious nature. And you ain't getting no power if you're constantly running from accountability, responsibility, challenge. That hustle, that ain't God. I'm telling you now it ain't God. Listen, I ain't say no names, but if you're mad, too bad. That's not God. And it's cheating us from power. You know, people see, oh, boy, that anointing really falls on that person when they sing. They submitted to authority. She's a submitted to authority. I already know she is. See, you know, we looking to submit. When I'm helping Marcus back there, Marcus said, uh, uh, Pastor, I need you back here. Man, I'm the pastor. You don't need me, bro. That's not what I do. Do I do that? I'm going to go and do what I'm asked to do. Listen, they had me crawl at the, at the uh, camp. They had, you know, I thought about it later. I didn't think about it at the time. But they had me crawling under some tables and some spider webs and stuff like that. I'm like, well, wait a minute. Like, why y'all ain't doing this? <laughs> you know? But when I showed up, when I first showed up, they said, uh, I said, so what you guys need me to do? Well, we need you to fill those bags over there. I said, give me some, like, tough kids or something. We need you to fill those bags. It was me, Asia. Where's she at? We need you to fill the bags over there. I was like, okay. So me and Zamane, we, we filling up the bags. Then they said, okay, now we need you to do this. So they were giving me my, my assignments. But I wasn't like, I'm the pastor. No, no, I want to do this over here. Because I learned this a long time ago. I'm submitting to authority. If I'm in your area, listen, I got kicked off of the, the choir. Because I wasn't, I, I, I was trying to be an advocate when I was supposed to be just submitting to what Pastor Mel needed to do. So I was kicked off. I wasn't like, no, I'm the pastor. I'm singing. You ain't kicking me off. You know, according to the bylaws, I can sing. Nah, I just got kicked off. Just went about my business. It looked, traumatized me. I haven't came back to sing this ever since. <laughs> I'm all gun shy. Like, boy, if I don't do this right, I'm going to get kicked off again, boy. Don't want that on my record. <laughs> Why are you laughing? That's funny of you. See how people just jump on stuff, you know. But, I, but I'm saying that to say, hey, we want these promises and the cross and the power. Let's sit back today and look at your life and see what are you really submitted to? Like, are you really submitted to authority? Or are you trying to get around it? Or you, is your whole life about your control? We'll get into more of this next week. I have more detail, but, but just, I just, just think about it because it's cheating us. So I'm not saying this to put nobody down. I'm saying it's a master key. Because think about how hard it is to submit. How hard it is if somebody else is in control. And let's say you think you're more important than that person. Or you got more skills. That's difficult, ain't it? But, but you got to be able to submit. Hey, they're in control, no problem. And I've, I've, I've gotten jobs and responsibilities where I had more skill than a person. So I just helped them look good. I made them look good. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> no problem. And I wouldn't even put them on the spot. I'd whisper in their ear. If I was coaching and I was the assistant and they didn't know what they was doing, I wouldn't go, man, we need to do this over here. Nope. i just whisper in his ear. Here, try this. Here, try that. And he would win, but I'd never go, well, it wasn't for my play. No, no, no. This is my position. I'm going to submit to you. Faith on another man's. And God eventually gave me my own. So it's a different process, you know, but I think it'll help us even elevate our, some of our jobs because some of us are bucking against authority. So it's a dangerous thing. All these opportunities is to set us up to uh, get some power, right? Let's stand on our feet. That's enough for today.